Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast, where attitude is everything on today's show. Uh, this was a chance meeting for me. It was uh, quite a few years ago, or probably two or three years ago. I got to speak at a convention that I met through a friend, through a friend, through a friend. And my buddy Lance Kaufman had me up to the Dream Summit. And little did I know that these two uh, people would be in the audience and they would impact my life in such a positive way. We don't get a chance to be able to interact as much as I would like to, but I get inspired just by being able to see them through, as most of you guys do with your family members, through social media and things like that. And um, I think one of the, the coolest things is the connection point that they have together. Uh, their marriage is such an inspiration to me. And also uh, their emphasis on leadership and growing people in this world to be better and to leave this world a be, uh, in a better place. So I want to uh, welcome to the show Mr. Israel and Rebecca Faith McGicken. Did I say the last thanks, name thanks, right? Kelly. I said the last name right, right? No. <laughs> I didn't? You, okay. You got it perfect. Say, say, how, say the last name. How did, I, how did I mess it up? Say it again. No, it's Magookin. Magookin. Got it. Yeah. Magookin. So, yeah. There we go. Yeah. Well, I love this part of it because you guys, it gets destroyed all the time. Am I correct? And brutal. It does. It's brutal. Okay. Just McChicken, just, you know, some version, <laughs> put it out there. <laughs> Well, I want to I want to thank you uh, for being on the show and let me destroy your name right off the bat, which is great. Um, but the reason why I didn't talk uh, either too about titles and things like that is because when I asked you guys before we started recording, I saw you just retracting. It was so cool, and that's the reason why I think every listener out there is going to get so much value, um, is because for for these two, it's not about titles; it's about results. Right. It's about being able to right. say yes and help leaders leaders to truly, truly be leaders. Um, let me start off with this, Rebecca. Why is leadership so important to you guys? Wow. Well, for me, I mean, you know, I, I've just been impacted by great leaders, you know, from just starting in grade school, high school, right? Your teacher can actually, based on how well they teach and, and how they are as a teacher, determine your love of a subject. And so when I realized that, it's like, okay, so depending how I show up in the earth can literally imprint something positive or negative on someone's life. And so from a very personal standpoint, you know, I wanted to be my 10th grade teacher because he was awesome. He gave me a love for history. I didn't want to be my chemistry teacher, right? Because <laughs> I hated science and I hated it more. <laughs> and so, you know, just, just looking at the impact we have by how we give and how we live and also realizing as a parent, how some leadership is unintentional right? Like I'm going to impact or imprint your life, whether I'm aware of it or not. And so just being an intentional leader and wanting to um, pour out everything that's been put in me by God so that when I leave the earth, I can say I've been well spent. So let me ask you this, Rebecca, and probably most people don't ask you this about what, what it was 10th grade. What, what subject was it that the teacher was? History. History. Was he handsome? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, Mr. Hey. Wagner, I'm sorry okay. if, you're, if you're watching this, but not particularly. He wasn't, but I, um, um, Israel is, is happy that you just said that because I saw Israel. Hey, I saw Israel change a little bit. Israel's a God-fearing man, <laughs> but he was about to put the fear of God in some teacher that, because the reason why I asked you is because when we were, grow <laughs> we were growing up, there was a guy named Mr. Bracken and Mr. Bracken was a young fit teacher and Paula, if you're out there listening, and Yancina, you both know that you were crushing on Mr. Bracken and thought all his wisdom was so great. And I don't know about his wisdom, but so it was true wisdom then, Rebecca. 
So it, it really was. And and he was just fun. You know, he, he would, he would sweat a lot and he had like big sweat marks under his <laughs> armpit. So not only, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just saying maybe it wasn't like a natural, but he truly was a great teacher. Okay. Uh, I can say the same about my music teacher. It gave me a love for um, just, you know, learning music in a different way. And, and so, and he wasn't, he could have been a father figure, you know what I'm saying? Okay. So I'm a father. I still think I'm cool. I'm trying, well, you know, right I mean? true. Come, yeah. on, come on, Rebecca. But I, well, this I, is high school. I, I love it because if you go back, like if you're watching this, I need you to go back and I want you to watch and zoom in on Israel, his body language. When she said my teacher, he was like, I need to meet this teacher. Um, <laughs> Israel, you're I've, I've heard about him. I've heard about him. <laughs> Israel is so relieved that he wasn't hot because he was like, man, that, that, that's tough. So Israel, talk to me too. You've got the, I mean, the, the type of wisdom that, that you have, it's not like you're in people's face. It's not like you're jumping up and down, rah, 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 but you're the guy that people go to when they truly want to transform as leader. But talk to us too about why leadership is so important to you. Well, you know, growing up, I had to discover life for myself. My dad, my dad was successful at what he did. He was a boilermaker and he was an Irish fighter. And so, you know, he was fighting all the time. He was getting himself in trouble, you know, lose his job, move to another location, get another job, you know, get in a fight, you know, uh, and so forth. Uh, you know, I had this uncle that was a minister of the gospel and he was also an extremely successful businessman and uh you know he would stop me on the side of the road and give me five bucks for my fuel or my motorbike or whatever and he impacted my life so much that it changed me mm. now he wasn't per se always my leader but he led me his lifestyle his influence his attitude uh his generosity uh so impacted my life that I wanted to be like him. And so I realized that the way I behave, the way I talk, the things I do uh, may silently impact people's lives and they'll want to be like me, good or bad, good or bad. And so responsibility kicks in, uh, Kelly, where I have to now make sure that when people are watching or when I don't know they're watching, they see leadership, they see something that carries integrity, uh, that carries a lifestyle that they want and will be good for them. Mm -hmm. That's so important to me. So can you guys both talk about this and you guys can go back and forth. I mean, you, you seem to, I mean, both of you are such amazing leaders and a lot of times you see a one, uh, you know, in a relationship, you don't see this all the time. You see one, maybe one leader and then, you know, a person that is in a support role or whatever it is, which is awesome. But I see leadership in both of you. Um, but a lot of times people count out, like they see you two, you love each mm -hmm. other. You're a great looking couple. I've already Thank complimented you. Israel on being handsome like four times today. Um, Rebecca, <laughs> I didn't awkward. Rebecca, <laughs> I didn't tell you you look beautiful, but you look beautiful today. I just want to let you know. <laughs> Yes, so, but yeah. a lot, but a lot of times people look at someone, you know, people like yourselves and you're successful in your business. Uh, you know, you guys, uh, give to the, give to the church. You're involved in the church. You're a worship leader, all these things. And they're like, yeah, that leadership stuff is good for you. And talking about being integrity and all that stuff, but I'm out here and I'm not at the point you're at, I'm hustling and I need to get to that point. What do you say to those people? Wow. 
great question. You know, I, I think, you know, where we met at the Dream Summit, uh, that word dream is so important. Uh, and even in the, the darkest place of your life, you've got to try and elevate your emotion uh, enough to be able to dream. Uh, because it's the dream that gets you through. It's a dream that gets you out of that hole. Uh, it's the hope that needs to be instilled in you. You know, Rebecca and I come, we have a, a very interesting history together. Uh, and, uh, you know, she's had plastic surgery. Uh, I didn't. That's why she looks younger. <laughs> so, so obviously, own it, own it. obviously there's an age difference and we let you guess who's older. Uh, but, but the point is, I had lost everything, Kelly, in my life. I was in the darkest place of my life that I'd ever been. I, we were homeless. We were homeless. Uh, a friend of ours gave us a mission hotel to stay in, mm -hmm. which was in the, the capital, death capital, murder capital of South Africa. Uh, and there at the train station, we had a little room uh, next to the train station. Yeah. And we, I mean, I'd lost so much weight from starving because we had no food. Uh, you know, uh, Roman noodles was the uh, staple diet. Uh, we were battling. Yeah. And I'd never been in that place before. I was a very wealthy man prior uh, and lost everything. And so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we were, you know, uh, really just battling to survive. Yeah. And the Lord woke me up at five o'clock in the morning and said, yeah, there's a book to write. And it was called Celebrate Success. <laughs> and so... <laughs> By, by 12 o'clock that day, it was 5 o'clock in the morning, celebrate success. By 12 o'clock, I'd written this little uh, manual uh, that somebody could work through, a coaching manual called Celebrate Success. And I sold, I borrowed some money, had one printed, sold, and so forth and so forth. And we got ourselves out of that hole. Uh, but it was hard because I didn't want to dream again. I didn't want to hope yeah. again. I didn't want to disappoint or be disappointed and I didn't want to fail again. And so that place was, was hard, but I had to learn how to elevate my emotion, pick it up, lift your head up somehow in that dark place and find a way to climb out that hole. So Rebecca, you had, I mean, in this situation, you're, you're talking about being homeless, you know, you guys, you guys are together, you're sticking it out. I'm not saying to everyone out there that's listening that you need to stick it out in your relationship. Like there's a lot of you who are maybe struggling that need to get out the relationship and you won't struggle anymore. How did you know though, Rebecca? Because I mean, that's a gamble, right? I mean, because there was probably a lot of dudes with homes and cars at that time. <laughs> I mean, maybe they weren't as, you know, maybe they didn't look like Sean Connery and have that amazing accent, but they could get you some milk. And so help us to understand how you knew it was the right thing to stay in and, and move through it. Well, that's an excellent question. And I think actually in times like that, where you are tested and um, you know, you're at the bottom, that's when true character really shows. And so more than ever, I knew I want to be with this man because it's not about what he can do for me or provide for me. I had no doubt in my mind we would not stay there. No doubt. In fact, his faith level, his, um, I remember one day we woke up and we'd been staying at this mission hotel for eight months, right? And things weren't like 
we, we were sowing seed. We, we were like, okay, we can't give money, but we can give time. So we were doing leadership training and, you know, he gets this manual and I'm like, really God celebrate success. Do you see where we are? <laughs> but, but the point is that, you know, he had an inner thermostat that was set high. And if we can dare to believe that our circumstances do not define us. Right. And in answer to your question, I believe leadership is so important, especially for those asking all those questions like, should I keep going? Well, that's good for you, but I'm not you. I don't have that opportunity. I don't have your money. I don't have your uh, social status. I don't have your connections, right? Whatever it is. Leadership matters because it starts with you in whatever you are in. For me, my leadership was tested in that season. You're going to be tested, mark my words, whether you have money or not, whether you've got things going for you or not, at some point in your life, the challenges keep cycling around even on different levels, right? right, right. And so you are going to face challenges. And the question you need to ask is, what is coming out of me? What is coming out of the ones that I'm partnered with when things are hard? Mm. What came out of him was uh, hope was faith, was saying, this is not who I am. This does not define me. We are not staying here. And I remember one morning he woke up and said, it's time, we're gonna get a house. And I'm like, they, nothing has changed. Like we don't have money for a house. We don't have money for a deposit. We don't have money for, you know? And he's like, it's time, I can feel it. The grace is lifting. And I'm like, the grace, the grace lifts. What, what are you talking about? And one of the things that he taught me so well was understanding the season, right? Sometimes you got to just walk through the valley. And when it's a season to walk through the valley, honey, keep walking. Don't stop, right? But you've got, that's what you've got to do. But when you're out of the valley, don't walk backwards. Don't go back to it just because you now know what the valley holds. And I'm more, you know, you get used to functioning and dysfunction. <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about but walk through what you need to walk through and recognize when the season is changing. Right. You probably won't recognize it because the season just miraculously changes. <laughs> you recognize it by saying, okay, the grace has lifted. I, I, I used to have a grace for this and it's no longer there, right? What I used to be okay with is now irritating me. I gotta go, I gotta move. Something's gotta change. Mm. So Israel, can you, I mean, I think the word that God's been giving me so much lately has been context. I had a, a young lady call me the other day and we were talking and she was asking me about, you know, a decision that she had. And she was like, well, you did this. And I said, but you got to understand the context of my situation. If you understand right. the context, then, then we can get into um, what, and for you to be able to comprehend what is actually happening in the circumstances right. today, but you can't look at the circumstance and not take in the context. So when you said you were successful beforehand, before you lost it, and this is one of my buddies out there, um, his name is Chris. He told me, and it shocked me when I heard this for the first time, he said, every highly successful person will lose their fortune two times before they gain it again and sustain it. And I was like, I hadn't even done it the first time. And I was like, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> but Israel, give us the context, because when some people say successful, they're like, oh, well, you know, successful is maybe I could pay my bills. Um, can you help us, like, take us through what you were doing, what was going on, and the level at which you were flying, and then talk to us about how it went away? All right. Good. Uh, you know, uh, and that brings me to the point also, 
if I can throw this in the context, uh, happiness is internal, not external. And so, you know, when I was at the height of my success, was I happy, yes or no? <laughs> in the Mission Hotel, was I happy, yes or no? Well, it, it wasn't determined on external factors. Mm -hmm. Because at this point of the height of my success, uh, I was uh, in my 30s. Okay. I was a multi, multi, multi millionaire, uh, independent, independently wealthy. Are we, are we talking in the tens? Are we talking in the hundreds? Around 60. Okay. The reason why I'm saying this, guys, is it's yeah. not about the money aspect of it, but a thing that I want you to, to weave into this too, Israel, is we always, and every listener out there, you hear this, from a person who has experienced it, high levels of success, mm -hmm. they always tell you it's not about the things that you have. It's about in, internal. Right. But a lot of people out there that are broke are saying, <laughs> but, but it might just help a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it might just, I mean, I, I'll be unhappy and, and rich as hell. Like, that's, that's where yeah. people, but can you continue on, though? But I wanted them to understand yeah. the context of that. All right, yeah. And so, very wealthy, financially successful. Okay. Uh, a leader of a network of churches, had planted 430 churches around the world, five continents, uh, speaking in stadiums of 150,000 people at a time, uh, television show, Voice of Freedom, 283 million home viewing uh, every week on my television show. Uh, go up to a retreat, ministered retreat, retreat for my own ministers that are on staff in Switzerland. Uh, get up there. They all worshiping inside. They're having a great time. Uh, I'm outside my feet in the river. I'm bawling my eyes out like a baby. Nothing's wrong. I'm not losing sleep for money. I'm not thinking how I'm going to pay my bills. I'm not thinking how I'm going to grow my ministry. I'm not thinking about how big a platform can I get next. Uh, I'm pretty much thriving in everything that I'm doing. And I'm sitting there in Switzerland, drove up there my 911 uh, Porsche convertible. Uh, you know, life is good. You know, you don't need a roof. I can raise my hands and shout hallelujah, whatever. I get up there. I'm sitting with my feet in the river. And I'm bawling my eyes out and I say to the Lord, how can a man so successful be so unhappy? Mm. And he said to me, because you're not doing what you're purposed to do. Mm. Booyah. And so right there, I had, I had a, a framework of thought change. Uh, and I realized I'm unhappy because I'm not fulfilling purpose. External factors don't give you happiness. Fulfilling purpose gives you deep happiness, satisfaction, fulfillment, and purpose to live, reason to live. Yeah. Uh, and that's what called him again. And so in the context of having multiple homes around the world, uh, very successful in everything I did, uh, life was good. You know, I'm coaching presidents, prime ministers, Fortune 500 companies. You know, I'm in demand. <laughs> and I'm unhappy. Unhappy. And so I know the story, you know, if I'm going to have a day of depression, let me rather do that in a Ferrari, you know, than, than on a bicycle, you know. Sure, sure. You know, we can, we can elevate our, you know, depression. <laughs> but I'd rather, I'd rather realize 
early on in the game that it's absolutely not about money. My business, all the businesses I've owned, were never about making money. It was all about how can I empower somebody else, my genesis purpose to serve uh, somebody else, serve something else other than myself. Mm -hmm. And I found when I was doing that, I was fulfilled. When I was King Louis on top of the totem pole, the emperor of my empire, uh, serving myself, that did not bring joy. And so that was just shift in my thinking uh, and in what I did, of course. Mm -hmm. So Israel, talk to us about how, I mean, you said you lost it. It went away. How, I mean, most yeah. people are like, okay, if, if I lost 60 million, I could find that bad boy. Cause that's a big sum. You know what I'm saying? Like I would be able to find some zeros, at least a couple commas. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> help, help us to understand because most of the time people don't realize that, you know, when you are in those places and you're functioning and you're, you're elevated at such a high level, there are pitfalls. There are things that those things can go. I mean, they can literally go like we had, uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't have 60 million go, but I mean, in the last couple of years, I mean, we had millions and millions and millions of dollars. I mean, literally on a phone call, boom, gone. Wow. For wow. perpetuity, like gone, like nothing. Uh -huh. And you know, but talk us through that and give us some, you know, help, help us to understand because there are people out there again that are listening. And I love that you said like, I could be a more, uh, you know, better off depressed in a Ferrari because people are like, you know, we're, did you ask God, like, you know, I know it's, I'm not happy, but can I just keep the Porsche and, uh, you know, you, you take everything else. Were you ever in that place or were you godly all the time? Cause I'm not godly all the time. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't godly. Uh, okay. And I, uh, I even considered a hitman, you know, I mean, I wasn't that godly, you know, <laughs> so, so the, 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 it was a matter of, uh, uh, an embezzlement situation. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm misusing the term embezzlement, okay. uh, for the sake of protecting, uh, some people, but, but so let's just call it embezzlement, but it was, it wasn't quite embezzlement because it was legal. Mm. Poor, poor, but al I got, poor allocation I, of funds. Yeah. Poor allocation yes, of funds. Yeah, yeah. I got okay. conned out of my money over a five-year period. Yeah. And the other thing, I wasn't focused enough on money. And he has the balance. You know, as a minister, I was focused on ministry. Mm -hmm. And money was a tool that I used to empower uh, and to do what I had to do. Uh, but it wasn't my life goal to, you know, make uh, millions of, of dollars or whatever it was, or uh, I wanted to leave a legacy for my kids, but my focus point was on ministry and not on my money. And I should have been wiser and I should have been more balanced. Uh, you know, be, as Christians, sometimes we have this taboo thing about money. And so we ignore it. And then we realize we just, you know, lost what God gave us. Yeah. We didn't steward correctly over it. Yeah. And so my focus was not on it. And that's how it could happen. I wasn't looking, I didn't see. Uh, and of course, I had some blind trust going on, uh, too. So, uh, and so it, it corroded away. And I did not know, I went into the bank one day to do a transaction, I had special banking, I went in and the and my special banker called me over and said, uh, what happened? I said, what do you mean? What happened? He said, you've lost everything. 
everything, like nothing. You had nothing. I said, what? I, I had nothing. It was gone. Everything was gone. It was gone. I mean, I, 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 was, I mean, I was like, I came home and said, Rebecca, it was gone. You guys were together at the time? Yeah. All right, Rebecca, like, take me through this emotional part because, okay, you were experiencing a lifestyle that's, you know, I mean, uh, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You guys listening, you know what I'm talking about. You're experiencing this life. He comes home. <laughs> were you like, you know, we'll just have faith and we'll get through this together? Or were you like, no, you need to go out and find that bad boy? Like, you know, it was, like if I lose a hundred bucks, my, <laughs> my wife is like, you better find it in your jeans. I mean, how did you react? Like the real Rebecca, did you react in this godly way? And did you sing a song to Israel and be like, let's worship right now? Or were you like, let's strangle some people? No, I think to be honest, let's talk about context. Okay. Got it. So we were, uh, not in a great season of life. There was a lot of, there was a whirlwind around us. And so it didn't surprise me okay. that this is just the next thing, right? Okay. Like, like that first, it was in our first year of marriage. Um, uh, we were just married. Um, and that was one of the hardest years of my life. Looking back, not because of the marriage, he likes me to qualify that, <laughs> but because there was so much going on around our lives, um, so much. And, and so, uh, this was just like, okay, all right, this is just the next thing coming at me. Great. How are we going to do this? What are we going to, how are we going to pull out? Thankfully we had, uh, he had paid the rent for the apartment we were living in. It was this great, beautiful penthouse, uh, you know, but we had paid it up front for eight months. So thank God I knew we weren't going to be homeless right at that moment. Um, but it was just kind of like to, for, for both of us, I think I can say with confidence, it's always been about how do I need to position myself? Like, I don't need to, I, I mean, hey, hey, listen, let me tell you, when we were homeless, I actually thought about begging. I was like, I get it. I get it. When you are driven and you are hungry enough that I will go stand on that corner and there is no shame. I have no shame because my hunger tr trumps any shame I would feel, right? Now, I didn't beg, right? And we made it through. We lost a lot of weight. But the point is, is that, you know, through all of this, our question was always, how do I need to position myself? It's not some super spiritual thing, right? But but truly, we sat there and together, it's like, I know we're going to make it. I know we're going to make it. How are we going to make it? Right? I don't need to be wealthy to enjoy life. I didn't come from money. I, I, don't, I don't need money to be happy, right? I was just starting to taste life with money. So driving that Range Rover was pretty sweet, uh, and then it's gone. And you know what? It's all right, as long as I don't have to walk, as long as I have a car. And then we didn't have a car. And then I was like, all right, uh, okay. You know, South Africa is not really a safe place to be walking around. And so I think in every season, through the loss, through the redemption, through all of it, it's always a question of, you know, how do we position ourselves? Because sometimes we're so busy holding on to things that when God does want to redeem something, we don't, we don't, we, we don't have the capacity for it because we're so busy holding on. Well, you owed me. I should have, you shouldn't have done this. I'm a victim. And listen, we were victims, right? 
And, and, and there was, there was times where anyway, a lot was going on around us, but I think that when you know who you are, see leadership starts with you leading you, you keeping your integrity with yourself. When they're talking smack about me, when they're trying literally on a mission to take me down, right? When there are people who want to destroy my life, believe it or not, there's people out there, right? How do I respond? Not how do I react? Who am I? And how do I walk this out? And thank God for his presence. Thank God for wisdom that, you know, calms us down when we need to like get a cold bucket of ice water poured over our head and just chill for a little bit. Right. And so there were definitely moments we, we had a five, 10 minute rule. I don't remember. 10 minute, ten minute rule. All right. If we were like done and we just needed to vent, we had 10 minutes. That's all we could afford. Cause if I stayed there longer, you just start digging a hole. And so if he needed to vent, if I needed to vent, we needed to get things off our chest. Typically it wasn't between us. It was about something outside of us. You got 10 minutes. Go ahead. Cry your eyes, shout, throw something. Got 10 minutes. (laughs) And then we're moving on. Wash your face, get up. Let's do something about it. Uh, And that's really the principle of elevating your... Mm Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was going to ask you. You, you need to you need to continue on, but I wanted to ask you when you're on the way home from the bank. You're spe- I love I lo- I want you to go back and listen to Israel too because he said I went to my bank and I, I had a special banker. Well, hell yeah, you had a special banker. <laughs> and he said my and he referred to it twice. If you go back to the tape, he said it twice. He was like my special banker and then he was like my special banker said this. After your special banker, Israel told you <laughs> that, that everything's gone. Talk to me about what's going through your head on how you're going to tell your wife, because it's one thing for us as a man to lose our stuff, but it's another thing to have to go and tell our wife about that. We just lost our stuff. <laughs> it's two different things. What was going through your mind? How were you? I mean, or were you wise Israel the whole time? Oh, I was just so holy. You know, uh, you know no, I, I, you know, the, the shock, it was a shock. Yeah. And then anger set in. Because I didn't know how it happened, but I asked him, I said, how could this happen without my permission? Mm. And he said, they had power over these, they had signing rights. Mm. I was so angry. I, I didn't think of my wife. I thought of, I'm going out <laughs> and there's going to be history written today <laughs> and I may be spending my life in prison. I was so angry, to be honest. Uh, and I was shaking. I, that, that's where I was. I was standing in the bank. I was just angry, shaking, uh, not realizing the impact that it would have. I just did how the audacity that somebody would do that. Uh, that somebody would be so mean, somebody would be so unkind uh, to do what they did. It was just horrifying to me, and it angered me. Uh, Rebecca, it's hard, you know, she's not that, that person that's going to react or flip <laughs> out, or she's just she's sweet as honey, to be honest. Uh, you know, she's, she's Amish background. 
family, uh, more passive, <laughs> you know. So uh, if anything, passive aggression would come out. But yeah, right. I, I wasn't expecting an explosion or I was expecting comfort mm -hmm. from her. I was, I was more worried about how do I control myself from doing something stupid, you know. And uh, I had, a, at that time, I had a bodyguard, but, and he had asked me, should he, you know, you know, it was one of those situations where I really had to discipline my man, my human, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and deal by humanity at the time before I got home. Okay. So that when I got home, I was calm. I was confident. I was collected. Mm. Uh, but that, that's that elevating, elevating your emotion part, which for me is a, a coaching tool. Uh, principle we can learn uh, by and with and really change results and outcomes uh, because it changes your attitude. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't mean you don't have that explosive, rah, you know, at first, <laughs> which I had, you know, the fighting Irish, you know, I wanted to throw some bombs and uh, do some damage. Uh, but I had to stop there and, and I sat in the car and I just, uh, you know, worked with my emotions, elevated them. <laughs> and that's not easy. That's not easy. But I, I did it. Yeah. And got home. And by the time I got home, I was pretty okay. Yeah. So and so I just said, you've lost everything. Well, talk to talk to us about this too, because I think I remember the first time that my dad, the first time that my dad exposed me to this, I didn't realize that you could you could yell at God. Hmm. I thought it was God. And then he, you know, things happen and you're a subservient, you put your head down. And I remember the first time my dad said to me, God is okay with you yelling at him. God is okay with you having a relationship just like right. a person that you're going to go after him and say like, this ain't cool right. and get in the face. Yeah. You guys went through this for eight months. It wasn't like you were in the hotel for a weekend, right? It wasn't like you were, you know, struggling the, the homeless side. It wasn't uh, a weekend. It wasn't a week. It was eight months. Can you talk to us yeah. about some of the arguments you each had with God during this time? Yeah, I, I look, that's a great question. And I think, you know, our relationship with God didn't start at this point. It had already been tested. We'd already walked through things individually um, together. Uh, and so thankfully, we had a foundation to stand on. It doesn't mean there aren't questions. It doesn't mean there aren't emotions, but there was already a trust in place um, for both of us, I can say with confidence in our relationship with a father. And I think, you know, a lot of that doesn't come from just seeing his blessing on your life. It comes from, you know, number one, learning who he is, but mm -hmm. then letting him turn to you and tell you who you are. And so letting him speak into your life. And so we knew who we were. This is not us. Um, we knew that we are more than a reaction. We knew that we are more than a homeless season. We knew, you know, that, that this is not our, the end of the story. We, we knew that. It doesn't mean that you ain't mad. <laughs> right. And, and I think the greatest feeling, at least for me was, uh, God, this isn't fair. Mm -hmm. This isn't fair. Like I don't deserve this. I didn't, 
you know, I didn't give you my life. I'm not, I didn't serve on the mission field. I didn't go into full-time ministry for this, right? Um, I didn't, I didn't save myself. Um, you know, I, I was a virgin when we got married and, uh, you know, I didn't save myself. I didn't, I didn't walk out relationships and, and, and really care about purity and care about what I'm bringing into it for my name to be thrown in the mud, right over our marriage and say, oh, well, we had an affair. We, you know, there's a lot, there was a lot of whirlwind around us. And I was just like, it's not fair. It's not fair. And I think for me, that was my greatest um, you know, complaint was just like, how do I fix this? And I couldn't, you, in that moment, you couldn't fix it. And I remember he said, uh, he said to me, the Lord told me, we, um, we're not going to vindicate ourselves. We're not going to speak up. We're not going to fight. And we've been in court cases and, and not that we wanted to be there, but you know, just, we've been brought into it. And, um, it was six court cases over a year eight, and a half, eight, eight over a year and a half. Um, <clears throat> things, awful things had been said, a lot of accusations had been brought, and the strategy was shut your mouth. And I was like, I don't know that this is a good strategy. <laughs> I think people need to know that, you know, what really happened and, you know, that we're, you know, and the thing I realized for myself in that season is that there's some seasons where the truth cannot be heard because people's hearts aren't open to hear it. And what is going to speak louder than the facts is them watching you walk out your life. And unfortunately, that takes time. And, yeah. and I remember going to him. I was so naive. You know, I was in my mid-20s. And I was just, the world is, oh, it's all going to work out, you know. And I'm, I'm a super positive person. And so, uh, you know, that was being chiseled away a little bit. And some realism was being brought in. And, and I remember going to him one day and saying, but I know it's going to just give them two years, just give them five years and they'll see, they'll see, you know, and he said, oh, you're so sweet. He said, people are going to see whatever they want to see. They're going to see whatever they want to see. And so we can't live our life trying to show them what we want them to see. We can't determine what they see. We don't get to decide how they treat us. We do get to decide who we are going to show up as. So as for me and my house, yep. we're going to walk this out with integrity. We're going to do our best to forgive. We're going to work on our own hearts on keeping them soft, because I'm telling you what, there was some mm, bitterness, <laughs> right? Self-righteousness. I'm going to show them, right? How dare they, they don't get to do that. Right. And, and just, um, so yes, there was a lot of conversations with God. Um, and, and I don't know that either of us were ever angry with God, but I, we wow. certainly did not understand, certainly didn't. But again, our foundation had already been built and we trusted him. It sounds ludicrous. We trusted him literally with our lives. And at that point with our reputations, cause we'd lost everything. In fact, we looked at each other and we said, we've lost it. We're at the bottom. Like we are, at, people think we've done worse things than we've done. So it doesn't get worse than this, right? <laughs> and so let's make the most of it. Let's just, let's just try things. Let's, so we took a year where we said, we're going to try something new every day. Okay. And listen, we had to get creative because I mean, one night he's jumping on the bed. I'm like, what are you doing? 
he's like, I, I'm jumping on the bed. I've never jumped on the bed. I'm like, you are a grown man. What are you, you know, anyway, long story short, we, we, we started to live again. We decided this is not going to take us out. We've got to find joy in the little things. Uh, I wish we had money to try new things. Uh, but you know, we, we did what we could on a budget and it brought life back. You know, you deciding who you are and that you are making a choice to live. You make that choice. They can take a lot from you. They can't take that. Israel, I want you to take one of the words that uh, Rebecca just said that, that was so powerful was forgiveness. And I want you to talk to me about why forgiveness is so important in leadership. Okay. I'm going to talk this, about why forgiveness is so important. The sound's gone out and I'm yeah. actually hard of hearing. <laughs> okay. I've had three inner ear transplants uh, and my headsets went out. <laughs> so, talk about why uh, forgiveness is so important in leadership. Oh, wow. Wow. A core value, core value, uh, mercy and forgiveness, mercy and forgiveness. Uh, you know, besides the truth, the fact, uh, the word, of God, where it talks about uh, even the Lord's Prayer, you know, yes. even as you forgive, so shall you be forgiven. Mm -hmm. Just the principle of that, um, you know, you're not going to be forgiven if you're not a forgiver. Uh, if you don't show mercy, mercy will not be shown to you. That's a principle, truth, but that's really not why I want to forgive. I want to forgive because it just sets free, it sets free yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, and we do so many things, Kelly, that, that put us in a prison. We pr imprison ourselves. Uh, you know, nobody else cares if you're angry and ang not angry, forgiving or not forgiving. They, they moved on. You know, they spent the money already. You know? <laughs> <laughs> They're out there in the Ferrari with your money while, you, while you're hating. And right. <laughs> while, while you're holding that bitterness. Well, they, they're going to stay happy and you're going to be miserable for the rest of your life. So right. it's about unlocking prison doors for yourself. Yeah. Uh, you know, you set yourself free when you forgive others. Yeah. Uh, and I, I work on it so that and it's not every day all the time that I have nobody that I haven't forgiven uh, because that new person comes offends me and I've got to forgive again. Uh, <laughs> but the point is, I like to live a life where uh, others' opinions don't matter in the sense of, how can I say that wisely? It doesn't matter as in context to myself. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if I'm hurting you and I can help it, let me change it. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm offending you, let me change it. If I can make right with you, let me do that. Yeah. Uh, I want to live in peace and harmony uh, externally, uh, which comes from peace and harmony internally and it's a cycle. Mm -hmm. uh, that keeps you there. And so for me, it's very important to forgive. And uh, I had to forgive way back then. Uh, and I'm still forgiving people today. Uh, we've even sent that same person money. Uh, when they needed money, they lost some stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, Rebecca, wonderful wife that she is, uh, suggested and we sent money to help. Uh, you know, we've got to have an, an attitude that really is elevated, mm -hmm. you know, and that's hard work. It's not easy. No. Uh, you know, you know, I've been mad, you know, I mean, mad, mad, 
I broke my hand in that time. I didn't put that out there. In five places, I broke my hand punching uh, something. Cause I was so angry. It wasn't a person that I punched, <laughs> uh, uh, but 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 cool. my emotions were flying. You know, it was was uh, dark days, hard times, mm-hmm. uh, and then I'm gonna break my hand doing something stupid. Now I'm mad. With, you know, it's just a cycle, <laughs> a downward spiral, until you say no. Yeah. Until you say no, I'm gonna go the other way. I'm gonna get up again. Yeah. And it's a decision made. And when that decision is made, you have to elevate yourself, elevate your emotions. Uh, forgiveness is hard. And at, at that point in time, when I needed to forgive and I couldn't, I couldn't. I just, the Lord, the, it was hard. The Lord showed me at the cross. The Lord show, and, and the Lord, Jesus says, Father, forgive them. Yeah. What a revelation that came to me. Jesus asked Father to forgive them. That was so powerful. And when I found myself in an inability to personally forgive, uh, the next thing I could do was say, Father, could you forgive them? And knowing if he forgave them, they were forgiven. Mm -hmm. And I could not hold anything against them. And that was my way of of finding a way to, to forgive people. Nowadays, it's very easy. I'll be honest. It's come to su- it's come to such a place where I think it's the beard, you know, the age, the beard. <laughs> For those of you watching, you know, he's got he's got beard game. Right when he came on, I was like, man, yeah, I want to do a video he, with him looking the way he does, Sean Connery looking, brother. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's just like you know, it doesn't matter. You know, uh, I'm, I'm turning sixty this month. Uh, life is good. Life is good. You know, I'm happy. I'm blessed. Uh, people are nuts, uh, including me. <laughs> Such is life. You know, uh, you know. And let, let me be the better person. And that's really my. I haven't perfected that. I'm talking about my my desire, my my dream, my hope. Yeah. Uh, let me be that better person that can elevate somebody else's emotion. Mm-hmm. Now that I've learned to elevate my own. Yeah. Let uh, me now elevate somebody else's. Mm-hmm. So talk to, uh, talk to me, and you can even tell him this. For those of you listening, we're going to translate through Rebecca um, just because of headphones. Um, yeah. But talk to us about the last time that each one of you was petty then. And when I, say, when I say this, I was just talking about it the other day. I was just talking about it today to one of my friends because I, I used to work in an environment, and um, we, would, we would apprentice kids, and we would mentor them, and then the kids would elevate or they would you know, get uh, a, a, a position – and I was petty. I was like, why aren't they following me? They were following other people. And I was like, I got to the point where I was so petty that I was like, I got, like, why are they following him? I got a bigger house. I got a bigger car. I got a better car. Like, I make more money than all of them. I'm more successful than all of them. And they're not following me. Why are they following this kid? It was super petty. And now I look at it and I'm like, why did I waste all that time? And I was not showing true leadership. I was thinking yeah. that my actions or the things that I had was going to cause the person to follow me, which it wasn't. It was just the heart and time with that person. Right. But can, can you share with us the last time that you, each of you were petty in something? Because you guys are traveling and you got these highs, these lows, and you're faithful and all this stuff. And a lot of people out there that are listening are like, well, hell, I mean, I, I, might, I might 
turn a little bit. I might question God a little bit when you were talking about the trust or the faith. Yeah. They might. So when when were you? Give us a petty. Yeah. Give us a petty moment, Rebecca. So when is up. the last time you were really petty about something in life? <laughs> uh, well, I'll go first. Do it. <laughs> do it, Rebecca. Things to pull from. Get it. Um, oh goodness, you know, in so many areas, and I think to be honest, I so I'm more of a performance driven person, right? Like let it look good, let it sound good, you know, right? And 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 I want to. I think I lost your audio for a second too. I don't know if you can hear me, but I lost your audio for a second. I know. I mean, and I want your, I, I can't hear it. It's okay. Um, this, this is such with life. This is the same way that say with an Israel, when Israel went into the bank with this special banker and there was no more. I know what you could do is you can actually click off and then click back in and I'll br bring you back in. If you click, uh, uh, click out. So uh, in the last two shows, what I want everyone out there listening to understand is we've gone through some technical difficulties. In your life, you're going to go through technical difficulties. The same way that Israel and Rebecca, they had challenges. So if you can't hear me, just if you can hang up, like uh, I'll try and go like this, hang up. Uh, if you hang up and then we'll bring you back. Um, so what I find is that when we have challenges like this, how can we rebound? How can we, I mean, we're dealing with them right now uh, with Israel and uh, Rebecca as far as their sound. And so it's one of the things where, you know, for me, it's really truly looking and saying, you know, how can I show up? How can I be in this spot? How can I be in this spot where I'm having challenges? There they go. They're back on. Oh, they're coming. Um, and how can I how can I deal with these situations? Because we're not always going to have the exact perfect situations, and that's one of the reasons why I stay live when I do this stuff is because I want each and every one of you to know that it's not about the circumstances that happen to you; it's about the way in which you react to each and every one of them. Um, and I want to be able to encourage you that way. I mean, you guys can see already from the, what you've heard from Rebecca and from uh, Israel why I wanted to have them on the show, and. I was very confused when I was a kid. Um, I was very confused as I was growing, and especially when my friend, like I was talking about earlier, that said to me that you're going to lose your fortune two times before you gain it back and sustain it. I was scared of this because I was thinking, man, I don't want to lose anything. But it's amazing to be able to see the testimony of Rebecca and Israel that they had the opportunity to see the mountaintop, but also to see the valley. And so what I want to encourage every single one of you out there with is if you're on the mountaintop right now, make sure. Are we back? Okay. There we go. Back. Let me, fin let me finish this thought oh, because no, what I was saying, no, like no, a chipmunk. I do. You sound like a chipmunk. So I'll finish the thought. They're They're coming back in. We did. We just been in having that. But when you're on the mountaintop guys, make sure and look for the Valley because the mountaintop, I believe the only reason why you are in that place. Are we oh, back? Can you hear me you now? Are. So what I was saying to the what I was saying to the audience is when you're on the there's there's two things in life. Number one is the mountaintop, which you guys have experienced. Then there's the valley. Most of the time, people think that the mountaintop is where I want to live, but it's not where you were purposed to live. The mountaintop was only meant for you to find the next valley for you to go and rest in. Sure. Because the valley is going to be dark. It's going to be dirty. It's going to be nasty. But sure. that's where you're going to rest. 
And yeah. so I want to welcome you back to the show, but I also, I want you to realize too, for me, this is the reason why I stay alive is because yeah. this is life. This is your relationship. This is exactly what Israel and Rebecca was. And I believe that God purposed our call to drop out because just like we were talking about, how do we deal with challenges? How do we deal with challenges? It's more important how we deal with challenges than we, how we deal with success. So I agree. Um, I agree. Well, you asked us, you know, when we go dark there, uh, yeah. about being petty and here's the thing, you know, there's so much to be petty about when you are self-serving and when you are, I'm not kidding. Like I, I, I heard somebody say this and it wasn't very popular and I had to wholeheartedly agree. And it's probably not popular here either, <laughs> but you want to have a successful marriage, serve one another. You want to have successful relationships, serve one another. Take it into business. You want to have a successful business? Sure, you can care about making money. You should, right? Okay, because you're, you're having a business. But ultimately, be in it to serve one another. And so I think that that framework, I know for both of us, that's what we want. We want to serve one another. He is my biggest cheerleader. He pushes me out when I'm like super comfortable and I'm like, oh, it's okay. I'm all right in a small place. And he's like, no, you know, and he'll push me out. And, and in the same way, I want to serve him. I want to see him empowered. And so the more you are there to serve one another, the less petty you become. Thank God. We do not need more pettiness in life. However, if you want to go there, <laughs> I can give you plenty of examples. Um, goodness. When is give the me, last time I was petty? Give me, Probably. A, give me a specific one. Yesterday I was watching my wife and uh, my wife, uh, hopefully you're listening. I was watching her. She made a Caesar salad. I was sitting across from her in the kitchen. She made the Caesar salad. Didn't ask me if I wanted some Caesar salad, ate the whole Caesar salad. And when I was, when she was done, I was like, is there any salad left? And she was like, nope, ate it all, ate it all. In my head, I was thinking, that's not what I signed on for. You know what I'm saying? Like we said, like you, we right. would serve each other and do all this stuff. And I was petty with that Caesar salad. I'm still mad about it today. Maybe I need to work on my forgiveness of forgiving my wife for that Caesar salad. Sure. Give me, <laughs> give me a go. specific. We want to know Let that you're, you're like, okay, we so want to know that human side. So Right, exactly. So we, we're in the middle of a season shift in our life right now. And so, uh, and this has nothing to do with him, right? Because your pettiness typically is all about you. Mm -hmm. So own it. And so this morning he was saying, all right, we need to, we need to coordinate our schedules because if you're going to be out, you know, you need to let me know because we've got a five-year-old still at home. The other kids are old enough. They can manage their own lives, right? But we've got a five-year-old, we homeschool. And so, you know, we got to coordinate because I went for coffee this morning and I didn't tell him yesterday I'm going for coffee, right? And see, my pettiness is I put it in the calendar, right? I put it in the it calendar. It doesn't matter for a like, husband. I don't want no calendar talking to me. I want my wife talking to me, right? And I'm like, but I don't have time to talk to you about everything. So I put it in the calendar. So he says to me very lovingly this morning, we need to coordinate right? Because I'm happy to watch her, but I need to know because I was going to go do this. And then I couldn't do that because you disappear. And I'm like, well, when you need to go somewhere, you don't check with me that I can watch her. Right? So like, these are petty things, right? And, and here's the, here's the great thing about pettiness. Use it. Use it for your advantage. Use it to let things come out of the shadows 
and show yourself what is really going on inside of your heart. Because see, it's not about the calendar. It's not about the babysitting, right? It's not about who's watching who. It's about, I want you to think about me. I don't, I don't feel seen, right? I don't, and so let pettiness work for you. If it's going on a whole lot, number one, check yourself. And then number two, let it work for you. It wasn't about the Caesar salad. What was it really about? The Caesar salad. Right? What was, I was it hungry. really about? I was hungry. <laughs> right. So you're a grown man, right? Go make yourself something to eat. So that's why not what does I, it matter? Rebecca, that's not what I signed on for. You know what I'm saying? Like she's really good at this Caesar salad. You know, you know this, Israel. When she makes the Caesar salad, it tastes so much better. And then she'll say to me, like, why are you trying to stick your fork in my Caesar salad? Because when you make it, it tastes better. If I say if I make it, you ain't trying to eat it because it don't taste good. There's things that you do that make our life so awesome. And maybe, maybe Israel was saying when he didn't tell you that he was going someplace and he just didn't show up, maybe he was saying, giving you this compliment that you didn't grab a hold of, that you are such a great mother. And I know that if I leave without telling you, that that you're going to take care of our kids on another level because I love you so much. That's what you were saying, right? That's what he was saying. I'm sure it's true. I'm sure it's true. But that's the point is like, right? Life is full of expectations we carry that sometimes we're not even aware we carry. And then when those expectations aren't met, it brings out emotions in us that are probably less than noble. You know what I'm saying? And so, but, but it's good. It's good to learn how to communicate. I feel like in this world, we're not being taught how to communicate. We're taught like, if you don't like it, cancel it. You're not taught to deal with it. You're not taught how to deal with it. You're not taught how, how do I talk with someone without, without like, you know, going off at you? How do I share? Hey, I'm disappointed. Hey, I I don't like this feeling. Hey, how do I do that in a way that's healthy? Right. And I'm not coming in and ripping everybody to shreds. And so there's a lot of growing there. There's a lot of growing for me in my communication. Um, I go on like super focus mode and then like nothing else exists and I don't need to eat and I don't need to drink because I'm focused. And he's like, I, I, I still need to eat. <laughs> I still need to, I need you know, Caesar so salad. learning yeah, how yeah. to work together is, is definitely an ongoing challenge and a good one because it means we're both still growing. Like he's not the same man I married. I'm not the same woman he married in a good way, right? Because we're, we're growing. If we weren't, we'd be stagnant. And I don't, I don't wanna be married to no stagnant, mosquito festered, <laughs> still pool of water, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Israel, Israel, can you help us too? Because you said something earlier, you were saying that you use, now you use horses for leadership. Now. <clears throat> this, I have the best segues in the world. That, that, that I'll take you from one place and then we'll just go to another. But you had talked about this, and I was thinking about the connection point with it, but I, I help the audience to understand how you're able to do that. I mean, here's a, you know, a, a guy who's running you know, all these things at, at such a young age. I mean, churches all over the place, all these things. And now you're helping people to understand leadership through, hor- like, how, how does that work? You're helping people understand leadership through horsemanship. So talk about how that works. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> that's a, a big question. A good one, but a big one. Uh, so basically the principle of horsemanship, the way I work it. Now you can either break a horse or you can train a horse. Uh, the old school was break the horse into submission, kill its spirit. It'll be a plodder, do whatever you want it to do. 
Uh, we don't want that in humanity. We don't want that in our leadership teams, our staff, etc. We want them to be fully alive, fully functional, optimized in themselves, but yet understand how to follow uh, without losing their identity and their self-worth and their own personal imagination, opinions, etc. And so that's what I do with horsemanship. So how we do it is first we put get a round pen and you put a horse in there that I may not know. I don't know if it's a male, female, mad, crazy, whatever. And I get in that round pen and in 30 minutes, that horse will follow me closely through trust, through wanting to be with me, through its own choice to come to me, to follow me. And so I work certain methods in that 30 minutes. Uh, it could be a wild horse, could be a wild Mustang. I just trained uh, last year a wild Mustang. Uh, and That's amazing. 30 minutes, that wild feral Mustang uh, that uh, we couldn't touch, we couldn't touch, couldn't get to, uh, was following me. I put a saddle on it. Uh, in uh, one hour, I had a rider on it. And I was leading that wild feral Mustang with a rider on over obstacles. Uh, because that Mustang wanted to follow me, I became a trusted resource uh, to that horse. I became a safe place to that horse. Mm. Uh, and so there's so many principles. I'm actually writing a book right now. It's called Horseology. Uh, and we it's for leadership. And I'm using uh, 12 principles of horsemanship that we can use in leadership uh, in any field of leadership, any business, uh, any ministry, doesn't matter. Uh, when you need people to follow your vision, mm -hmm. uh, what do you have to do to get them to follow? Uh, and horsemanship teaches you that. Yeah. And so uh, I have three horses I'm training now, four horses I'm training now. Uh, one is cuckoo, uh, little nuts. <laughs> But, but it comes to me and follows me. And I put a rider on the other day. It's been really great. Uh, it's taking a little longer because some the process, sometimes you've got to have a process that works for this person that doesn't work for the other. Mm -hmm. It's not cookie cutter. And so, it's, but it's all about, uh, Kelly, trust, being a calm confidence, a safe place, mm -hmm. a trusted resource. Mm -hmm. uh, to that person following, to that horse that's following, mm -hmm. uh, to that wife. No. <laughs> no, but no, but seriously, like to make it really applicable in real life, you know, there's times I look at them, I'm like, are you like horse whispering me right now? Because those same principles, and that's why we, we you know, he's taken all of this horseology and applies it in leadership because we use this on the kids, right? We use this on each other because their principles in leadership um, that honestly, they flow through through all veins. Right, and one of, one of the things I, I did before was uh, there was this well-known uh, author, a Christian author that had come to speak at a, a big conference for ministers. Uh, and this at the end of the service, I said to them, I said, watch this. All these ministers are gonna rush up to the pulpit, try and talk to this guy, try exchange business cards, you know, and do their thing and get their connection. And I said, it doesn't work because I've been that guy that got your card. <laughs> you know, I know what happens when I walk out the door. 
you know, am I going to, you know, what am I going to do with all these cards? You know, I can't remember everyone, you know, whatever. Uh, it doesn't work. So I said to, said to her, watch, I'm going to do some horse, uh, horsemanship of the author, the speaker. And let's see if I get any results. And so mm -hmm. I did. I went, instead of going to the front, I ignored him. I ignored him and went to the back and took my guys, my little entourage to the back of the hall and just ignored. And I said, wait, let's see what happens. And he got off that platform. <laughs> wasn't long. He got off that platform. He walked, he walked through the crowd of people giving the cards. And he came up to me and said, thank you for coming. Uh, who are you? <laughs> and uh, uh, then I told him who I was. And he said, do you have a business card? I said, I don't, but let's, let's get a exchange uh, self numbers or whatever it was, you know, and uh, um, they were like, wow. <laughs> you know, uh, there's, you, talk, you spoke about body language earlier, you know, 97% of all communication is nonverbal. Uh, you know, it's sound and body, you know, and uh, communicating to horses that way, communicating to people that way mm. is very important. Yeah. Uh, and remember the fact of it's not what you told them, but it's how you made them feel mm -hmm. that they remember. Well, your body language can make them feel good. Mm -hmm. Your smile, your embrace, your kindness, whatever. Yes. And so I communicate to the horses with body language and I communicate to people with body language. And you can read my body language quite, quite clearly. <laughs> and you do that well, Kelly. You you fill a room and you communicate well with your yeah. smile, with your body language, with how you how you are uh, warm to people, and that's a real compliment to you. Yeah, you do that very well. Yeah, let, let me tell you about that dream summit. You know, when when you've been around the world and when you have been up there with the guys, you know, and you know, priests all over the world with some of the best names in the world, uh, you been there, done that, you're not impressed. Rebecca wanted to go to the Dream Summit. I love it. Oh, there's just an atmosphere there that like things come yeah. alive. It's just awesome. Yeah. I, I didn't want to go. I was like, oh man, another another conference, another seminar, booyah, booyah, booyah. dream, 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 you know. Uh, and, but I went with her, I went with her and here comes Kelly. And The man I, has a train on the back of his coat. I'm like, you already got my attention. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I, admit it, I, said, I love this guy. I love this guy. Uh, and, and you're so out of the box, Kelly, and so inspirational and so uh, weird, you know, uh, that, that I just loved it. And, yeah. and that final, I'll never forget how you finished your message. Uh, I can't remember what you're saying, but I, I remember what you did. You know, you stomped your foot and put your hand in the air and ah, whatever. You know, gave everybody the fight of their lives. And I was like, wow, wow. Why didn't I think of that out of my messages? You know? uh, you're an inspiration. Thank you. Uh, so thank you so much for who you are. Yes. And what you're doing in the earth is, yes. is amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. It means we love the world you. To me. uh, you celebrated in this house. Yes. Thank you. I don't know if you know, but that time, the Dream Summit, um, the, uh, I had a, a keynote and the keynote didn't work. And I remember something about that. So yeah. when I, when I went up, I had, this was, I mean, uh -huh. this is the way that God had worked is I had this thing set aside and then I got, I, when I went, everything blanked and they didn't have it. 
And he just, I mean, that was, it was like, be, be here with me in the moment. The thing that yes. I ended with is sexual chocolate from, uh, from, <laughs> from coming to America <laughs> when Randy Watson stomped his foot and said, sexual chocolate, I'm out. And, uh, it was, it was almost a dare years ago that a guy dared me, a pastor dared me and I, and, and we did it. So, uh, but I, I, I tell you, I want to, I want to thank both of you so much for being on the show. Um, I want to respect your time. And, um, but honestly, like your words, both of your words, I mean, it means the absolute world. You have no idea the, I, I, for every listener out there, if you ever think to say something, you know, and it's a positive thing to someone say it because you never know what they're dealing with in their life. And when you guys just delivered a message right now to me that you have no idea and I'll be able to explain it, you know, in the future. Uh, but you have no idea, you know, Israel, what your words just did for me in, in this time. Um, awesome. I started the podcast because of iconic people like yourselves. And I don't know if you guys did this uh, and you'll be able to translate it to him because he can't hear me right now. But yeah, um, I approached Israel at the dream summit. And I went to you, I went to him. You guys were in the back and I got done and people did, they said, hello, they passed cars, they did all this stuff. And I saw you two in the back and I went to you. So you must've used some horsemanship on me too. So you too. were horse whispered there, son. I was, I was there, <laughs> but I started the podcast because of iconic people like yourself. Cause I wanted to take my, I wanted to take you and I wanted people to realize that you're not superheroes, that you go through highs, mm -hmm. you go through lows, but it's your attitude and your work ethic that uh, changes everything. And I wanted to show my kids that, that anything in the world was possible. So if you could uh, do this, what advice would you give to Maddox and McKenna? And if you could both use their names, it would be awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What advice would you give to Maddox and McKenna, um, his two kids? Um, what advice would we give to them? Yeah, they're they're okay. ten years yeah. old. Ten what, years what, old is what are the ages again? And ten 13. years old, Anne. And thirteen years old is my daughter. Ten and McKenna. thirteen. Maddox is ten, right? McKenna's thirteen. Yep. She's yeah. the older one. Okay. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Well, Maddox and McKenna. Um, number one, you are who you are. Nobody's like you. Nobody's just like you. You are who you are. Nobody's like you. Nobody's just like you. So rise and shine and let your light go into the world. Rise and shine. Let your light go to the world. So, all right. So, so there you go. There's a song just for you, Maddox and McKenna. Um, you know, here's the crazy thing. Your fingerprint for both of you is unlike anyone else. And so the world, the world needs your dad. Kelly's great. The world needs your mom. Brooklyn, she's awesome, right? But the world doesn't need more of them. The world needs you. And so as you're growing up and as you are being raised by your father, your mother, by your father in heaven, know this, you are unique. You are fully you. You are youer than you. Dr. Seuss says there's nobody who can be you in the earth. And his love for you, the father's love for you, the fingerprint he gave you, the gifts and talents he gave you, that stubbornness he gave you, that weird sense of humor he gave you, what he put in you, he put in you for a reason. It's a gift. It's a gift to your mom and dad. It's a gift to you. It's a gift to the world. And so, uh, you know, if you can grab hold of a confidence that belongs to you 
and know that there's going to be a lot of opinions around you your whole life of who you should be and how you should dress and what you should look like and what you should sound like and what you should talk like, what you should say, what you shouldn't say. But if you can draw your confidence from the Father, from mm. the Father, the one who will always have your good in mind, the one who always has your back, the one who's made a way for you before you needed a way, before you even knew you needed a way. If you can draw a confidence, that would be my advice to you. Know who you are and stand in that confidence. Arise mm. and shine. Your light has come and the glory of the God of the heavens is risen upon you. Mm. Wow. Well, I think she said it all, right? <laughs> I think she said it all. Uh, but but let me just, just uh, compliment that, that uh that she shared, you know, that the Hebrews 10.35, do not cast away your confidence, for therein is your great reward. Uh, that's your confidence jacket. Put on your 10.35. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, you know, understand the principle of legacy mm. uh, and realize that, that what mom and dad are giving you, the, the, the space they're creating in the earth, uh, it's for you. It's for you. Now, now you you be confident to be you in that space. Yeah. Uh, don't don't change your you to fill that space, but utilize the space that they created for you, and don't go and try and create a new space. Mm -hmm. uh, rather, increase the space that they've already created with who you are uh, in your future. Beginning now. Beginning now. You're not too old. And now is the time yep. to build your future. Now is the time. That's right. Well, I, I want to thank both of you from the bottom of my heart. I mean, it's uh, you guys have exceeded expectation, and um, you guys are a huge inspiration to me. And you know, it's it's amazing to be able to spend time with you, and I can't wait to spend more. Um, we want to have you on the show again uh, as soon as possible. But I mean, both of you, it's it. I can't wait for you guys to go back and listen because when you experience it, and I've said this to uh, some of my friends, like when you experience it like this, and you're you're pouring in. You experience it, but it's a different thing once you get to watch it and once you get to listen. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is absolutely phenomenal. Um, what I would say is that Israel doesn't have to do anything on the calendar. Um, you should just know. Uh, I just want to tell you that advice for your marriage, Rebecca, that you should just know on the calendar and he's allowed to do whatever. Um, and you should not rely on the calendar. Um, you should be able to look to the man and communicate with him. <laughs> and that is true. Thank you. I'm just yes. joking. I'm kidding with you. I'm giving her a hard time. Rebecca did everything right, and I'm still giving her a hard time. But I can it, take it. I it, can it, take it. It, it, has been, it has been my absolute pleasure. Now's the time if you're listening you're watching. You know what you need to do. You need to click the links. You need to check all the things that, uh, uh, you know, uh, check out our sponsors. You need to patronize them. But I think the most important thing is you need to share this. You need to share this with every single person that you know. Um, send it to a friend. Send it to a friend who's struggling in their marriage. Send it to a person who's in the valley. Send it to a person who's just lost their fortune. Send it to a person who thinks that if they get this amount of money or this house or this car, that they're going to be okay. This message that Israel and Rebecca not only speak, but they live is so important, I believe, to our environment. So I want to thank you again for being on the show. You both have been absolutely phenomenal. Um, it's a pleasure. You guys pleasure. have been an absolute inspiration, and you guys are officially off the hot seat. <laughs>